Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. rabbi. The story of humankind begins in a garden. Themselves are interesting spaces. As Robert Bly describes in his book, Iron John, garden suggests a place marked out separated from farmyard, grain field, forest, or desert, in order that human beings can cultivate their precious plants or flowers. He continues, The gardener brings inside the walls rare roses, unusual grains, shoots from Persian pears, new varieties of apple trees, climbing vines. Natural plants develop by intent when inside the walled garden. Unlike the field where what can be grown is very much determined by the climate and by the soil, a garden is a space in which those elements can, to some degree, be manipulated and changed. In a garden, we can grow things that don't ordinarily grow in this particular climate or on this particular landscape. We can manipulate the soil and its chemical contents. We can, to some extent, manipulate the amount of moisture in the garden, we can manipulate the sunlight, we can attempt to control the wildlife that enters the garden. And through all these, therefore, we can grow something that doesn't ordinarily grow there. And so it is a space, as Bly defines it, that is walled off in order to create something separate, something specific something that operates according to the intentions and machinations of the person who oversees it. The Hebrew word for garden, gan, is connected to the word magain, to protect. So, Samson Raphael Hirsch lists the following as reflective of this root word, gan, Protecting, safeguarding, insulating, hardening, enclosed garden, shield, ruler, protector, and establish. It is a protected place for something that is vulnerable and requires that protection and that control of the protector in order for it to operate, and in order for it to thrive. So, for human beings to be created or born in a garden implies something similar. It implies a being that is otherwise vulnerable, that can operate and perhaps thrive and grow in just such a protected place. And though we have no record of a wall 
that surrounded Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. We do know that it is protected. Only once the human beings, Adam and Chava, are exiled from the garden, they are not able to regain entry because of the Kruvim, the cherubs that are stationed there with their flaming swords. So this is a protected space in which something that is not native can grow. And this lack of nativity, this foreignness, may allude to the idea that human beings are soul incarnate. And as such, they are somewhat foreign to this terrestrial world in which we live. And therefore, they must first, at least, take root, gain their stability and their ground in a cultivated environment in which the factors are at least somewhat controlled. These souls coming down to earth should live in a garden in which the soil can be managed, in which the sunlight can be managed so that they can acclimate literally and figuratively. But we see that the Gan, the garden, was not entirely hermetically sealed. It did not prevent the serpent from entering, from existing, and from interacting with those vulnerable humans. And though they had their orders in place of which trees from which to eat and which trees from which not to eat, that was not enough to keep this pest away from the fragile flowers and blooms that were populating the garden. And so they fell prey to this predatorial serpent and were exiled from the garden. And with that, our story, the story of humanity, is a story of beings who once tasted the garden, who have been in that garden, who have been in that enclosed place, who have been in that place where they could grow unencumbered. But now, they are not. Now, we are outside. And we want to get back in some way. Joni Mitchell, in her beautiful song Woodstock, wrote, We are stardust. We are golden. We are billion-year-old carbon. And we got to get ourselves back to the garden. Appropriately, this song written about Woodstock, about an attempt, as it were, to create just such a garden, to create a perfect place. And yet, the serpent always finds a way to enter, always finds a way to ruin the garden, whether from desire or jealousy, scarcity. Yes, as Joni said, I dreamed I saw the bombers riding shotgun in the sky, turning into butterflies above our nation. But it was a dream. 
which she acknowledges in the last verse. We are stardust. We are garden. We are caught in the devil's bargain. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. May she live long, Mamish. After Bereshit, after Genesis and the telling of the story of the garden and how we were forced to leave it, the image of the garden doesn't show up much in Tanakh until we get to the book Shirashirim, Song of Songs. Briefly, this book is the story of two lovers. There is a shepherd king and his beloved who has been captured by the king of a municipality, of a kingdom. She, captured by this municipal king, seeks to escape captivity and to reunite with her true lover, the shepherd king. The Mabim, one of the great commentators on Tanakh, on our sacred literature, lines up the metaphor. He says the shepherd king is God, the beloved is the soul, and the municipal king is the ego. And the ego captures the soul, trying to unify with it, but he is repeatedly frustrated as the soul leaves the grip of the ego in order to connect to the source. At a certain point, the shepherd king describes his beloved, the soul, as Gan Na'ul, a locked garden. Achoti Kala, my sister, my bride. Gal Na'ul, Mayan Khatum, like a fountain that has been sealed. But this is not to say that she is shut off. Rather, she's focused. Shlachaich Pardes Rimonim, the field that you water is a it's an orchard of pomegranates, im prima gadim, with all manner of fruits, kfarim, im niradim, with nerd, with spices, nerd vecharkom, kane vekinamon, im koatzelevona, with all manner of trees and spices, more vahalot aloe and myrrh, im koreshevesamim, with all the herbs and spices, mayan ganim, a fountain that feeds the gardens, be'er mayim chaim, a well of living waters, Benozlim min Lebanon, flowing from Lebanon. We see again this garden as an enclosed space, Gan Na'ul, a garden that is locked. Her garden is prepared. And she says, Let the winds come to my garden and stir them up. Yavo Gano, and then let my beloved, this shepherd king, let him come. And let him come and eat these fruits. So he comes. I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. 
I've eaten my honey, I've smelled the fragrances. I've drunk wine and milk. Eat, everyone, come. Come to this feast. But then immediately after, I'm asleep. But my heart is awake. My beloved knocks. Open to me. Open to me, my beloved. And she says, I just took off my robe. I can't put it back on. I've already washed my feet and my legs. How can I get them dirty again? And then the beloved is gone. The opportunity was missed. She made the garden. She made this place that she could almost control, that she could almost solidify and perhaps even make permanent this union with the divine and with the source and it escapes her. Just like the serpent who comes into the original garden and ruins the day, there is a sort of inevitable imperfection, an inevitable frustration within any garden we can make. It will never quite work. And honestly, for anyone who tries to grow a garden, you get the right plants, you plant them at the right time, you get the right soil, you add the right fertilizer, you water them, you get the sunlight, and yet it never goes perfectly. It never just happens. There's always some way that the process of the garden gets frustrated. It can never be, and perhaps ought not ever be, perfectly sealed so that nothing can penetrate and nothing can infiltrate. This is, in the end, how a garden is defined. A garden is the place of almost control. It is the place that we can make almost perfect. But we can never quite build the walls high enough to prevent the bugs, prevent the frost, prevent the drought, prevent the serpent. And in this sense, and in this way, that is the work of a garden. To experience almost control. To experience the possibility that we can get it, that it's within reach. And to do all the things that we can do in order to best ensure that that will happen. And simultaneously to accept and to recognize that it remains beyond our control. In Shira Shirim, in Song of Songs, the beloved learns to accept this dance. She learns to accept that it can never be permanent. She learns to accept that the union, the perfection that she so passionately seeks is always evasive. It can never be had. It can never be demanded and controlled. She learns that this union that she seeks requires release. It requires letting go. It requires unknowing and vulnerability. And not only is that not a flaw or a bug or a problem, it actually 
is the beauty of the process. It is the beauty of the dance itself. And therefore, there's a certain maturity that is required in order for a garden to be a garden. Back to Robert Bly in Iron John, he writes, For men, an unnamed god of duty holds down the surface of the earth, and all stock markets, all football fields, all corporation parking lots, all suburban tracts, all offices, all firing ranges belong to him. There a man makes a stand, makes a farm, makes an impression, makes an empire. But sooner or later, if he is lucky, the time comes to go inward and live in the garden. I'll read on just because it's so beautiful. Bly writes, we could say that in the walled garden, as in the alchemical vessel, new metals get formed as the old ones melt. The lead of depression melts and becomes grief. The drive for success, an insistent tin, joins with Aphrodite's copper and makes bronze, which is good to make both shields and images of the gods. The enclosed garden then suggests cultivation as opposed to rawness, boundaries as opposed to unbounded sociability, soul concerns as opposed to outer obsessions, passion as opposed to raw sexuality, growth of soul desire as opposed to obsession with a generalized greed for things. This is me speaking again. A garden is a place in which what we think we want can transform into what it is that our soul truly wants and truly needs. And so, though something might feel or seem or appear like a failure. It might be a great success if we allow ourselves to ourselves be in that garden in which growth can happen.